2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 4. Now, uh, Emmanuel uh, already told you about our theme verse. Our theme verse, and we looked at it uh, that Sunday night before we started Bible school, what that text said. First Peter, uh, chapter, uh, Second Peter. I am so stuck up on First uh, Peter. But Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter 1, verse number 3, it says that we have divine power. That God has given us divine power. What to do what? For things that pertain to life and to godliness. Okay, got that? So he talks about divine power. Now, in verse number 4, he says, uh, not only do we have divine power that's been given unto us, but look at verse number 4. He says, whereby are we given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. So he moves in verse number 3, he talks about uh, divine power. Now he talks about promises. But it doesn't stop there. He says he's given us a precious. He didn't just say promises, he said precious promises. We're going to see in just a few moments, uh, Peter in both of his letters really like to use that word precious. There's four other times in the two letters where he uses that word to describe uh, something. We're going to look at that uh, just briefly. So he says he's given us uh, great and precious promises. And why has he given us these promises? He answers the same question. He says that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Now, so he's moving from, you now have, you've been given divine power. Now, because of that divine power, you have the divine nature. Now, understand, you have to have divine power first before you can have a divine nature. Why is that? Because the nature that we have is a corrupt nature. It's a nature that's sinful. It's a nature that leads to death and destruction. And we cannot change our nature unless we have divine power. I want you to know, we, 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 we did everything we could to make sure that when we gave the invitation, and actually we gave three invitations on Vacation Bible School. The first invitation was given to those who had never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They had never prayed a prayer. And their heads were bowed. No one was looking around. And I asked, if you're here today and you never have received Jesus Christ, you've never prayed to ask Jesus in your heart, you need to raise your hand. number of hands came up. And then the second question that was given to our boys and girls was that you're here today, you know you're saved, you're secure in your salvation, you've been scripturally baptized but you know that you're not living for the Lord Jesus like you ought to be living for Him. If that describes you, raise your hand. A number of hands went up. Then the third question, and it was the third invitation on that day, was given to those, you know you're saved, you're secure in your salvation, uh, you, um, uh, you, you, you've been walking with Jesus, and uh, you, you're, you're thinking, uh, uh, as far as you know, you're, you're doing what you ought to be doing for the Lord Jesus, but maybe you feel like maybe there's a special calling on your life. Number of hands went up. The first invitation was those who've never accepted Jesus Christ. They came down. We had our counselors here. 
Uh, no heads were raised. Nobody saw who was going down. And they had counselors and they were all taken care of. And then we went to the second invitation and we went to the third invitation. We did that. Uh, God impressed upon me because we were wanting to make sure that these children understood clearly, as clearly as could be, what they were doing. There was no confusion. We tried to do everything to no confusion. You know exactly why you came down. And many of them did. Rachel told you, 16. We've already baptized a couple. We have some that go to other churches and we're contacting that church and told them to go to their pastor, the church that they attend. We have others that we've been following up and because of summer and they've been out of town, but we're still doing our follow-up. And so uh, what we're trying is because we're not wanting to talk anybody into any decision because their nature is a sinful nature and only a divine power can change that nature. By the way, adults, that is true for every one of us. Our nature is corrupt. Our nature uh, wants to feed the flesh. And if you do not have the divine power working in you, you cannot change your nature. It's impossible for you to change your nature. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can change your nature, can change my nature. And so he goes, he says, now these promises, this divine power, uh, these uh, precious uh, promises were given so that we can be partakers of this divine nature. And this divine nature has helped us to be able to escape the corruption that is in the world through Him. And so here we see, because we have the divine power, and that divine power is the Holy Spirit of God. Only the Spirit can draw you to Him. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into me. We need to understand, and many of our churches today have lost sight of the fact, is that entertainment is not going to draw you to Jesus. Not a, a, a little having a little talk and making you feel good about you is not going to draw you to Jesus. We could do everything, and we do. Uh, uh, we're grateful. We're 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 so blessed to have the the talent that we have here in this church, and and, and that's well and good. But I'm telling you, a, a choir singing on key and singing with some passion will not draw you. Only the Holy Spirit of God will draw you because it takes the divine power to change your nature. And now that nature that you used to have, you now have a new nature. You're a new creature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, the old man has passed away and you've been raised in newness of life. And so here we see the, the divine nature uh, because of the divine power. And because of the divine power, which gives us the divine nature, we're able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But there's a word very quickly I want us to look at. The word precious. Now, P Peter, as I've already alluded to, Peter used that word. He was quite fond of that word precious. You will find it in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse number 1, where he talks about our faith. He says, our faith is a precious faith. 
Now, why would he say that our faith is a precious faith? Because it's the object of our faith that's precious. And because the object of our faith is precious, we have a precious faith. Because when we came to know Jesus Christ, we came by faith. We trusted Jesus Christ. And we asked Him to come into our hearts. It wasn't of works that any of us can boast about, but it was because of His wonderful, marvelous grace. I want you to know tonight, and we should be reminded on a continual basis, the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ is precious. It's precious. Because there are millions and billions in the world today that have a faith, but they can't call it precious. Because the only faith that's precious is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said that He was the way. He didn't say He was a way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man come up unto the Father but by me. Oh, dear church, we can praise Him tonight because we have a precious faith because we have a precious Savior. And the, the second of all, we see He says uh, not only a precious promise here that we've just looked at, but he also says in First uh, Peter 1.19, he says, talking about the blood, he said the blood is precious. Oh, I said the blood is precious. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. See, Jesus Christ shed His blood because He was the only one qualified to shed His blood. See, it goes back to the Old Testament. And that's the reason why when I talk to my Jewish friends that I can't, I tell them I just can't understand why you just don't get on board uh, with uh, where I'm at in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I said it's a natural progression because it goes on back in the Old Testament. And they had to atone for their sins. It had be a blood sacrifice. But not just any animal would do. It had to be spotless. It had to have no imperfections. My dear friend, only Jesus Christ meets the criteria for that. He's the only perfect sacrifice. And because He's the perfect sacrifice, He's the only one that has the precious blood, the perfect blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ that not only covers us, but forgives us of our sin. I don't know about you tonight, but I, when I think about the blood, I can't but help but be along with Peter and say, Oh, the blood, the precious blood of the Jesus Christ because without the shedding of blood every one of us would be doomed and damned and destined for hell aren't you glad tonight that the precious blood of Jesus Christ was poured out for you oh it's precious blood but not only does he talk about a precious blood but we also see in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and we look in verse number 4 he says that he was a precious stone I thought about this. He was the precious stone. The Bible says he was the chief cornerstone. Everything hinges and everything foundational-wise hinges on the cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. But watch this. Because he is the chief cornerstone, when we come to him by faith, then, the old saying, we're a chip off the old block. 
That's the reason why if you continue reading there, not only does it say that He was the precious stone, but it also says we were living stones. Amen. Oh, I'm not getting through tonight. We need to understand when Jesus looked at Peter and He says, upon this rock, He wasn't pointing at Peter. I don't care what the Catholics say about that. He wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking about Himself. He says, if I'm going to build my, I'm going to build the church on me, the chief cornerstones. But aren't you glad that the church was built on the cornerstone, but because you're a living stone, you're a part in the building of the church as well. See, all of us need to understand. All of us need to know where we came from. My daddy used to tell me, I can count numerous times. Every time I'd go, he says, now boy, don't, don't forget where you've come from. Some of us have forgotten where we came from. We have came from the chief cornerstone. And he, because of his wonderful, marvelous grace and his mercy, has allowed us to be a chip off the block. None of us have anything to boast about. None of us can get up here and toot our own horns. And I'm, and I'm telling you, and I'll go back to an original statement uh, uh, that I've talked about is, no one, no church in this town has anything to brag about. You may be running bigger numbers, but you can't boast on that because if it was not for the grace and the mercy and because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, none of us would be able to do anything for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so this is why it's precious. Why? Because He's the chief cornerstone. All the foundation is laid upon Him. And if we have built anything, it's because we were understanding that we built it on His foundation. The chief cornerstone. Oh, it's precious. But lastly, we also see, and if you just go in verse number 7, 1 Peter 2, He calls our Savior precious. Do you realize tonight that we, what a wonderful privilege we have to be in His house on a Sunday night? Why do we meet here? I mean, sometimes, it think, uh, uh, and I know we get caught up, sometimes we just go through the motions. We really do. We get bogged down in things. But we need to be realizing tonight is, we can't keep on just going through the motions. The reason why we come, the reason why we worship, the reason why we praise, the reason why oh, we gather here in His house is because He's a precious Savior. He's a precious Savior. Many of you, I know your testimonies. I haven't told everyone all the details of mine because if I did, you'd probably say, could we find somebody else? I'm just letting you know. And if we knew about you, we'd probably say the same thing about you. Every one of us has got a past, do we not? Every one of us has something we're ashamed of. Some of us, they'll say, oh, you wouldn't believe what I used to be. And, 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 and we understand that the only reason why we've gathered here, the only thing that really keeps us together 
is because we've all been saved the same way. He didn't do something special that He didn't do for me. It's all because of His grace. It's all because of His love for us. Even while we're yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us. And so that's what's brought us together. And by the way, that's what will keep us together. And you know, we're in the latter days. Do you believe that? We're in the latter days. And things are going to start getting even tougher. I've talked to Brother Glenn about this, and I know other pastors that, that we have in the house tonight. You can or testify, many of you can remember, this is probably the toughest age in which to pastor a church now. I mean, people are fickled. People are just, I mean, you, it's, you just can't please nobody. Everybody's got their feelings hurt. Everybody gets upset over something. And by the way, it usually amounts to absolutely nothing. I found out when people get upset, it's not over theology. It's over pity stuff. Something that has absolutely nothing of eternal value about it. It's just that my feelings got hurt because I thought that's just the way this thing should go. I don't know why I didn't get recognized. I mean, we can go on and on and on. And it's going to get tougher and it's going to get tougher. And it's going to get harder and it's going to get harder. Now, uh, and Brother Terry uh, gave me a text. We have uh, many in our nursing home. Many, many of our men. Now, some of the guys have already they've been poor mouthed and say, boy, you've just spent way too much time preaching this morning on us. And, you know, they're a bunch of sissies. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, maybe so, but it was the Word of God. It was the Word of God. I'm, we're not going to make apologies for that. Word of God. Uh, and if it uh, went ahead and rubbed you the wrong way, then you take it up with the one who wrote the book, okay? And so, uh, and, and, and so uh, but I, some of our guys have stepped up. We got guys that are in our nursing homes, in our assistant living. Uh, we're having a continual on a basis, a weekly basis, uh, sometimes monthly. We have Bible study going on. Brother Terry texted me, and uh, they had a, a good number uh, where they were at. And he had, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Terry, you correct me if I'm wrong, but an 86-year-old man. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Are you okay? You wake up? Somebody wake him up. Yeah. 86 years old. Got saved today. 86 years old. That's almost unheard of. God is still moving, but I'm telling you, it's getting tougher and tougher to win people the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we make a stand on biblical principles, you're probably going to get nailed about it. It's going to get tougher. But my dear friend, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Because not only is He a precious Savior, not only is He a precious stone, not only do we have a precious faith, but we're going to have a precious place that we're going to go to for all eternity. A place called heaven. And so here, notice our children, every, every day they heard the text that was given. 2 Peter 1.3 talked about divine power. Talked about uh, how, to be, uh, how to be godly, live godly. But then the next verse says, not only do you have divine power, but you have now a divine nature. 
which means we shouldn't look like those who do not have a divine nature. There should be a very, very distinct difference between the two. By the way, not saying that we're better than they are. We're not. We're just blessed because we came to recognize the old nature was going to kill us and we were going to go to a place called hell. But because of His grace, there is quite a distinction with our new nature and the old nature. And when we go and present ourselves to a lost and dying world, there should be no confusion on how we stand. By the way, they're looking for someone genuine. I just had a conversation, and I'm going on an invitation. Had a conversation not too terribly long ago. And they were questioning about the Lord and about they call religion, and I had to straighten them out on that. I'm saying this thing's not about religion. It's about a relationship. There is a vast difference, by the way. And they said, well, you know, I, I hear this and I hear that and all this. And there's all, I mean, it is mind-blowing all the different beliefs that are out there. I mean, it, 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 it was, it's crazy. And they said, well, this one says this, and this one says this, this one says that. And, they, and they're all confused because they don't see any distinction. They're really looking. They're searching. That's the reason why cults flourish. That's the reason why though they're going into false religions. That's the reason why the Muslim population is growing. Is because they're looking for something. They're looking for truth. And here we have it. And the reason why it's not attracting them is because they don't see any real distinction between their nature and our nature. Just the way it is. Church, we have a task. Do you realize they are moving in droves to this community. I'm just telling you. I'm meeting people from Ohio. I'm keeping from California. We're getting people from New York. They're all coming. And they're coming to our community. And a large percentage of them are lost. They're lost. Not only are we growing, but also... The crime is growing along with it. And we can fuss all we want to. We can say we need more policemen. We need to put more money in law enforcement. And I, I, no argument with me on that. I think we ought to, they ought to get all that they need to help keep us safe. I don't have no problems with that. But folks, throwing money into a, a, an agency is not the answer. That, that, that here's what they need. They need to see someone who has divine power and has a divine nature and loves them unconditionally. 
And that's how we're going to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where's Vacation Bible School playing all this? I'm glad you asked. We know of already three came to know Jesus Christ because their child attended Vacation Bible School. And they went home and told mom and dad what happened to them during Vacation Bible School. Is Vacation Bible School just for kids? Oh, no. Vacation Bible School is to reach families with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that moves me to my last point. Follow-up. Follow-up is extremely important. And we could use you on Monday night visitation. I'm telling you, when you go and knock on a door and you tell them you're from Hillcrest Baptist Church and you have the name of the child and you say, well, your little Susie was in our vacation Bible school, that will open a door for you. Because even lost people will invite people who've done something for their child. What a wonderful opportunity we have to get into the homes of many of these children where mom and dad, grandparents, whoever they're living with, have not heard a clear gospel presentation. We got a job to do. The question is, are we willing to do it?